Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today on An Actor Despairs, we have a super deep episode with writer, showrunner, Marissa Jo Sarrar. She created a piece called Women of the Movement, which tells the story of Emmett Till through his mother's eyes. It's an incredible piece, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, it is triggering, but I highly suggest you watch it. It's very honest, and I learned so much. Marissa is incredible. You've seen her work and other things like 13 Reasons Why, and she's got a hell of a career ahead of her. Marissa, I'm so grateful for you coming on and talking about your journey and this piece in particular. Here it is. Marissa Joe Sarar, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing? Hi, I'm well. How are you? Thanks yeah. for having me. It's uh, it's 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 a real honor to have you. You're, uh, you know, I I I really want to say it's a piece of art. Women of the Movement is incredible, and I, uh, you know, I've had. I'm coming up on 200 episodes, so I think you know my, my audience knows. But I do want to congratulate you on doing such mm. an intense and, and deep show on a on a on a network. You know, usually you go to HBO or one of the majors for that, and <laughs> and the level of intensity you were able to bring to that show, was in, and and just, I mean it was it was heartbreaking, and I say that in the best sense of the term. You know, you really did Mamie and and Emmett justice, mm. and it's. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll i be honest, there were a lot of aspects that I just didn't know about the story. You know, Wiki, Wikipedia, you can glance at, yeah. but it, it only tells you so much. And, you know, so th- thank you for your service on that. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you for saying all of that. Um, you know, the, the intention was always to bring premium to network when I pitched it and I wanted to pitch it as if it were uh, you know, a streaming or a premium cable show. And I, I wanted to do as much as I could to maintain that through the execution, you know, the production and the casting. And so I really, that means a lot to me. No, no, I'm not dissing network television. It's just, there are certain, you know, stereotypes about yeah. what it is. And I think this just There's proves you confines can, you can you have to work yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they made it. Actually, ABC was so amazing, and um, Capital the Studio, and they really embraced, you know, my approach, and really, we all really wanted to just deliver a really beautiful six hours of TV. Well, you absolutely knocked it out of the park, <laughs> and I'm so excited to see all the amazing things you're going to do. But in order to kind of understand women in the movement and everything, I'd I'd like to start at the beginning. You know, so tell me, where did you grow up? I grew up in this very small town of about 1,600 people um, in rural Illinois called Athens. It's like 20 minutes, I think, south of Springfield, Illinois, the capital, and it's four hours uh, south of Chicago. So it's just really in the middle of of cornfields, and there are no stoplights. Well, there weren't. There might be now. Um, But just a really tiny little town. I lived there since I was three, and I went from preschool all the way to high school. And um, I'm one of eight adopted children. So, you know, I have this very unique family. Um, and by being part of this, the, the, all these people were taken or not taken, but came from different parts of the, the country. And we all came together to create this family. It just gives, it gave me, you know, a unique worldview yeah. because I just grew up with so many different kinds of people. And being, you know, back then I was the only black person in the town. My parents are white and you know, my siblings are white. And um, so I just had the experience of being different, you know, really I contributed and contributes to the type of stuff that I, I like to explore and the stories I like to tell. And I think it all goes back to, you know, how I grew up and, and where yeah. I grew up. What incredible experience. If you don't mind me asking how many mm-hmm. were, you know, parents aside, how many other siblings? I have seven siblings. We're we're wow. all adopted. Yeah, we're all adopted. So there's eight total children. Yeah, yeah. That, so you grew up with a family of ten. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, my two of my siblings are much older, so they they you know moved on. Um, but it, so for a while, it was just me and my older brother, and then my parents became foster parents when I was seven, and so then they had um, we had kids who would come you know for a day or two, but then my parents adopted five children from the same family who are my brothers and sisters. And so all of a sudden we went from this little family to, you know, a huge family. And then that's, you know, 
then that's what we're, we're still that huge, Whoa. huge family. How old were you when that happened? I think seven around seven. Okay. So eight. most of you yeah. growing up was, yeah. With, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, so, I mean, obviously that's an incredible like in, in introduction to an amalgamation of culture, but talk yeah. to me about like growing up in, in rural Illinois with this mm-hmm. nuclear family, you know, like where were you guys exposed to the arts? How did this all start to happen for you? I was really, I, my parents had satellite dish and cable from like, they were, you know, very early on. My dad is an, an absolute news junkie and um, he, I just watched so much TV and so many movies and I read so many books. Yeah. So I just was constantly consuming material and part of it probably, I don't think I knew it at the time consciously, but I just, you know, exploring the world because I lived in such a small town and meeting different types of people because I was so different. And I think that's probably why I gravitated towards, you know, writing and reading. Cause I knew from a very like 10 years old, I wanted to be a writer. I just, well, she loved, did. yeah. 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 My mom bought me a typewriter after I had written a little novella. I still have it. And um, I, I illustrated it. So I am, I was, I'm not a visual artist by any stretch of the imagination. It's really funny to look at it and I compare it to my daughter who's six, like her drawings. And wow. She's much better than I ever was but yeah I just knew I just loved it so much I, I loved go, you know creating characters and different worlds and um I just knew from that moment and my mom supported it my parents just supported it they nurtured it it was very different from how they grew up and they never imagined you know careers in arts or that you could yeah. even have that but they just really said okay this is what you want to do we don't really understand it but we'll support you and help you get there and and they did was there a particular book or novel that was the oh, catalyst yeah. for you? Like, all right, this is what I have to do. I don't, man. I wish I could remember. I don't, I read so much and then I was really little. So it's probably really nothing great. Um, and the classics. I was so young. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, not even probably, probably not even wow. probably like, probably maybe like American girl story, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Going to the library every day during the summer and, and checking out books. Um, but watching so much TV and then really watching a lot of indie movies and, and you know, stuff Can on you HBO. name some of those shows? In, in, well, in... when I was, I really was obsessed with Welcome to the Dollhouse. Wow. Okay. I got a little older. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little older. But um, and we had a video store in town, so I'd always go to the video the store best. and read any obscure you know, indie movie, because we, you know, the movie theater was, a, that was like a luxury because it was a 30 minute drive. It was so expensive to take, you know, this, that many children yeah, to the movies. $200. <laughs> so, That's great. That's insane. Yeah. With no food. I mean, yeah. the tickets. So um, I rented a lot of videos back then before DVDs. And I just, and, but growing up, that was like the sound of music, Annie, you know, those two okay. movies just, I mean, Annie, I'm adopted. So obviously, and the yeah, music. I didn't even think about that. You know? <laughs> so yeah. that's all, but from a very young, that's the first movie I think I really remember being obsessed with. And I still am obsessed with it. My daughter, now I'm passing along my obsession of the original Annie movie and uh, Broadway uh, soundtrack to, to my daughter. Um, but yeah, those, I loved movie musicals and just, you know, stories where, you know, there were girls or women who were at the center of the story um, just really, you know, inspired me back then and continue to inspire me, inspire me now. That's incredible. And, and so as you got to like middle and in high school and, you know, you obviously we all take English or literature mm-hmm. and there starts to be a curriculum and a syllabus of, of novels yeah. that you're going to cover <laughs> as you start, yeah. you know, because I think, you know, at, at, when, you know, I don't think we're that far apart in age, but when we grew up, there was no internet. So you couldn't like search yeah. for like good book. It was really like, those classes were the things that exposed me to like discovering George Orwell and, and, and Rand. And, and, you know, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, how was that experience in, in those kind of classes? Because I know other people tended like hate reading or hate, you know, so was that, was that your favorite academic class? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, where I grew up, I, mean, I went to a really small school and it's, um, I very different from, I think what most people would, there are most people's experiences in terms of a high school English class and the curriculum and what we were reading and what was assigned to us. I mean, my graduating class is one of the biggest and I think there were 85 students in it. So just to give you an idea. So I I don't recall from school, like I don't recall being inspired 
to read, you know, like Maya Angelou or Toni Morrison or anybody like that from school. But my mom is a, a massive reader. She okay. reads ev- everything from, you know, like romantic, you know, historical romance to memoirs and pres- she has like a whole presidential library <laughs> in her house um, to, you know, Oprah's book club selects. Like the, my mom is always really inspired and encouraged me to read. So I think, you know, Maya Angelou, um, The Bluest Eye, you know, I, th- I remember that being something that really stayed with me uh, when I was relatively young, but I don't think until I went to college, you know, uh, might not have been when I, I, I sort of really did the deep dive and started reading um, more literature. Like, yeah. you know, you know, like I, I just, I don't even remember being assigned the class. I, I don't remember when like J.D. Salinger was presented to right. me. I don't, I don't remember. It's, I mean, I'm not that old, but I, I'm, I just, I don't recall. It's just such a part of who I am now that I don't remember those, those milestones and when I was introduced to certain, um, authors yeah it is it is crazy and even though i went to public school i do i do think i'm very fortunate because now we live in a in a ridiculous world where people are trying to you know cancel certain books that are iconic you know huckleberry finn and and ones that it's just it's insane to me and so you know you you forget that around the u.s not every school education program is going to teach the same books and brave new world 1984 those were a big part of of mine i'm i'm curious as you went along in high school was there any kind of like uh creative writing extracurricular class or yeah we we did i i when i was in high school we had this vocational program where in in springfield which was like like i said like 20 minutes away where i I would go to my regular school half day and then i drive and i went and i did radio photography and television production so um i was in high school in high school wow okay for the last two years so it wasn't creative writing but i I got to be very creative and i think i probably took some creative writing classes and i know when i was very young my mom enrolled me in summer creative writing classes in the city um but yeah, I just, it was, be, but before I'd ever learned, I was just doing it because yeah. I was re, I was reading so much as a very little kid um, that I just, just, I didn't know. I mean, I, I learned grammar and punctuation and everything. I was never an English major, but I think it was more inspired about just the, when I was little, the experiences I was going through being so different. And then just the amount of books I was reading every summer yeah. at the li- from the library that just inspired me to just do it. But yeah, I wish I could recall some amazing creative writing program or something. I, I just, it just wasn't, it was just my life. I just did it. And and as you had that special program, you know, was there, was there an idea of like, when, when you said, I, I want to write, was there, you know, was it film and television? Was it novels? Yeah. Was, was there yeah. anything, you know, immediately kind of presenting itself to you as the pathway that you were going to embark on? It was film. Uh, it was, I mean, for a very you long time. You knew young. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I just loved movies so much and um, especially indie movies. So I, I really thought I'll be a writer. I'll be a director. I'll do all of it. I'll, I'll, I'll do it all. And, yeah. you know, I went to, went to film school and realized it's where, really, where, if you don't mind me asking. Oh yeah. I went to Columbia college in Chicago. Oh, okay. Um, awesome. It, it, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a liberal arts college. It's, Is that private or big, state? It's private. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I went there. So as soon as I finished, I finished high school early and then um, graduated like a, a semester early and then went up to Chicago and just moved there and just dove right in and, and took all of the, you know, the directing classes, the editing classes, but screenwriting, it was, you know, I, all what I wanted to do. And so when I got to my final semester, they offered this semester in LA for screenwriters specifically. Like studying and abroad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. And so I moved into like a, 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 a hotel, like an extended stay for a while. Was it the Oakwoods or? <laughs> it was, no, it was, it was literally called extended stay, I think. Oh, in Burbank. Okay. okay. And by, by the airport, I, I don't even know if it's still there, but, um, I'm sure it and is. I would go to the, I'd go to the yeah. Rad, CBS Radford lot, you know, Monday through Friday, like eight or nine well, hours. She just got sold. Seven. Rest in peace. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. And there was seven of us who I think did the, was, I don't know if it was the inaugural program. It may have been, I'm going to age myself here, but um, it was an early, it was the beginning of the program. And now I think you have a different, you know, director semester to like, you know, fashion designers, costume designers semester to life from Chicago. 
Um, but we just went every day and we we met screenwriters, we studied scripts, we watched movies, and we toured. You know, we went to different studios, we went to the Writers Guild Library. That's and incredible! Just, it was amazing to be yeah. you know from the Midwest and to come. I had been here a couple of times uh, when I was younger, but um, to be from the Midwest and just live here and get to meet all these people it was so it was so exciting and to be on a lot. You know, yeah. when you're uh, you know that young and you're still in college and you get to see you know it was like passions the soap opera i think i I watch passions all the time i totally remember that was was there a writer or showrunner or you know that took you maybe under their wing and and kind of mentored you or Yeah, yeah i mean we there are a bunch of people who came in um to just speak with us and I, there was a, a writer named Jaron Summers. I think he wrote mostly known for like sci-fi novels. Okay. He had done some TV, but I wrote thank you letters to everyone who spoke to our class. And he was the one who responded. And I started doing like assistant stuff for him. And then just- So you, you know, stayed at, in LA? You didn't- Yeah, I did. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Okay. I stayed in LA and, um, and I interned at a production company. I can't remember the name of it. It was, it's been, a, it's been a minute. Um, but I, I learned, you know, I got to look at his scripts and how short stories were adapted into screenplays. And I got to work on screenplays with him. So I, I learned a lot, um, just from him as a different path you know, and a different type of material than, than I write and wrote, but it was so, it's such a valuable experience just, you know, seeing, you know, just seeing someone who had been doing it for a long time and got to talk to me about, you know, the struggles and the obstacles and, and only because I, you know, wrote a thank you note, did I even really get the opportunity and to like make some money? Cause I had, you know, I was completely broke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't have like, parents were like, Oh, here's a, here's a chunk of money and, you know, just do your thing. And, you know, don't worry about getting a job. Like I had, I had to work, I had, I had to work a lot. And, and to manifest that work, what did you do? Did you start doing spec scripts or how did yeah, I mean, this was, a, I mean, it took me a long time to get my first like real job. I mean, because I, I mean, also like my first real job just meaning like being staffed on the television show. I had in a, in, a, couple in a writer's room, you mean? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. yeah. I had optioned a couple of things. Yeah. I was writing spec scripts. I was entering every single screenwriting competition I could. Great um, note. And yeah. just writing back then query letters. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. I don't even do know that. what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> just an email, like it's emailing saying, here, I wrote this thing. This is why you should meet me. And of course, okay. nobody ever did. Yeah. But I was working. I ultimately, I moved on and I worked as an executive assistant to an executive producer of like um, miniseries. It, they don't, it doesn't exist anymore. But it was, uh, there was a writer's PA who saw me writing on final draft and said, oh, you're, you're, you're a writer. So, and I said, yeah, yeah, I, I, I enter all these competitions. I've done, I've, I've placed in like slam dance. I placed in a couple of others. I've never won anything. Yeah. They said, let me, let me read something. I just signed with this brand new management company. And he read a couple of my scripts. He's like, I want to send this to my new managers and the management company is Heroes and Villains Entertainment. They are still my managers. Like, Amazing. I don't know. I don't know if it's 10, 12 years. I mean, this has been a long time, but they've yeah. been my managers for a long time. And, um, he's, I went in, I met with them. Um, I, I had written so many specs, probably like eight I, I, features. I gave them all to, to them to look at. I told them, you know, what my, I, my goals were for my career, you yeah. know, who I wanted to be, what was my brand, even though like, I don't really think that I didn't really think that way. And this is before that. the content bubble that yeah. we live in now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Completely. I mean, yeah. just a completely different time. Yeah. Um, and there were also weren't a lot of people of color in writer's rooms. There yeah. might be yeah. one, certainly yeah. not running shows. Certainly, And, and, and also shows. a lot of, not a lot of women, you know, they, they, there no. were a lot of male clubs, you know? Of, yeah. It, it was, I mean, which now it's just so crazy to even think that um, way, but that's the way it was. So, but I met with them and I just was honest about who I was and what my personal story was, why I wanted to write and what I had to say. And then I just started writing a bunch of specs. And the where I went wrong was I was writing what everybody said was selling and what people wanted to buy. And none yeah. of it was authentic to my experience or to my voice. Right. So I went, I went off to write, like, I just said, I, I, like we, you'd, you'd write the spec and then they'd take it out and then nobody would bite. Like nothing would happen. It was just dead. And it's demoralizing because <laughs> yeah. you spend however many months or a year writing this, this, these feature specs and then nobody wanted them. And it sucked. And you're, you know, you, you want to, you think you want to make it, you want that big cell that's going to change your life. So I went off to write 
something I was like, I'm just going to write something. I don't want anyone to tell me if, if it's going to sell or not, or if, if it's what the market wants. I just want to go write again and remind myself why I started doing this in the first place. And so I went off to write this uh, spec feature called Conversion. And it was really inspired by where I grew up in rural Illinois and a lot of um, people I grew up with. Uh, it was this woman who her son in conversion therapy, which is reparative yeah. therapy. Mm. And um, after he he dies, she's on this journey to find out why and what she did wrong and how she could have been a better mother to him. And it was just came straight from my heart. And I started entering it, I think, into some competitions. And my managers actually heard about it. And they said, okay, so we heard you wrote this really good <laughs> script that you haven't shared with us. Why? And I was like, because I'm afraid you guys are going to say, oh, it's not going to sell. Nobody yeah. wants to, to buy this. So they read it and they called me like, they read, sent it to them on Friday. They called me on a Monday and said, we're, we're, we're never going to ask you to write anything again. This is you on the page. And it changed my life. I got on the blacklist that year. It, I got signed. I signed with ICM feature and TV. And I had not even written a, a TV spec yet. Cause I th- thought I was just going to write features. And then I got staffed on my first show uh, a few months after writing my first pilot. With, was it was that, all, all within the year. It was the Fosters. The Fosters. Okay. Yeah. That's incredible. So, and it was be- really, truly because of. And the movie's not writing. yet been made. Right? Uh, no, no. We sold it and uh, they've had a number of directors attached and we, I now have it back and we're going to develop it with Amazing. the studio because I have an overall deal. When you need so an we're, actor. We're gonna- cr- cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to, when I have a little, uh, my schedule frees up a little bit, we're going to take, we're going to develop it, uh, redevelop it as a series. That's incredible. I love yeah. that. That's, uh, yeah. that's what a journey. And then, you know, talk to yeah. me about going from like, you know, struggling to having this, then having the, you know, some of the biggest reps, you know, as, as some people may know, ICM now is going to merge with CAA. So mm-hmm. it's top five, you know, and the, they're the kind of people that can get you in any room and then finding yourself in the writer's room for the fosters, you know, we all deal with imposter syndrome at some point. Like, mm-hmm. how did you feel coming into an established group, an established show, and this being like your first major thing? Was that really overwhelming? No, um, it wasn't because I knew that, I mean, number one, it was the very beginning. I was day one of the writers. Oh, so you were, you were season one. Yeah. 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 But signing with ICM, it just, I I had been waiting. You know, I believed in myself. I could not see myself doing anything else other than writing. So I was just like, I got to keep going. It's going to have to happen someday. And so when I finally signed with ICM, it was like, okay, finally. So I can move on. Let's move on to the next stage. I, I was just like ready for it. Because and your parents must have been writing. thrilled. Yeah. I don't think they really, they don't really know. They were so, they're thrilled when they could see my name like written by. Yeah. And then, and then that's, that's just, okay, look, I did so like yeah. it's there. <laughs> it's there forever. But I'm um, signing with ICM. You know, I still have the same agent. Howie Tannenbaum was my junior agent back then. And he's now my you know main agent. We've been together this whole, you know, I think, God, is it almost 10? It might be 10 years now. Wow. And I think it works so well because I was just really honest with who I am, the type of stuff I write, what I want to write, what I don't want to write, and my personal story that he also uses. He used to get me into the room for the foster because I had never staffed. Yeah. So it's it's nerve now that I'm on the other end of that when I staff. I staff now two shows. You get ner- you're nervous if they've never staffed. You never know what you're going to get. You want to give people an opportunity. But my story, I, you know, my parents are foster parents. I'm adopted. Yeah. I'm biracial. There's so many things that lend, could lend themselves to the show and the material that, that, that they read me. I think, you know, I'm not speaking up for them, but because of my script, but also because of my bio. Yeah. And so, and then I had to, you know, nail the meeting, which I, I guess it went well. I got the job. And, but yeah, I was nervous day one, but I was in a writer's group and I'd been in a writer's group for a few years. So we acted as our own little writer's room. Right. And we were critiquing each other. We we're breaking. And writers together. can be brutal on each other. Oh my god! Yeah, yes. Some of the toughest Again. critics ever. Man. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they're now like some of my you know closest friends. Yeah. I mean, we've just been with each other. We all were represented by heroes and villains. That's how we all met each other at a Christmas party, and we were like, yeah. we should start a writers group. And so we did. And now you know, ten years later, we're still like we're going to each other's weddings, meeting each other's kids. Amazing. And um, so that prepared me. Being in a writers group really prepared me for being in a writers room. And then it's just, 
you have to do it until you do it. You don't know. And it is, it is scary going in the day one of any new, you know, any new job. Um, but especially when it's a job where you you have to talk and you're a writer and you're used to sort of being alone in a room with your thoughts from especially feature to TV where you have to, you know, pitch and talk and share and come up with quick, you know, answers to, to questions and, uh, so uh, it was nerve wracking, but I, I felt like I was ready for it. I've been preparing, you know, my whole life essentially to get that first opportunity. I was not going to squander it. And was it a good experience? Yeah, it was, a, you know, my first show and I, it was back when you would 22 episodes a year. It was yeah. you know, on ABC, I'm like, fam, ABC family, which is 10 months on form. two months off. Yeah. 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 So it was, you know, and I got to produce my first, I was a staff writer. I was, I got to produce my own episode. I was on set with, from, with one of my EPs for a day. And then they said, you're, you're good. And I had an amazing director, Norman Buckley as my first director I ever got to work with. He was so kind and he was just so generous with advice. It was just such a great experience. I learned so much because now there are so many writers who are way like Koei P's has never been on set before, but I've been on set for, you know, nine years now um, on other people's shows before, you know, doing my own. So I learned a lot about pitching, writing, you know, outlines, how you use outlines as a, as a tool to really get the, the network and studio on board with the story that you're telling, um, really putting them in the movie before you script it. I, working with actors, be, you know, finding out how to quickly change dialogue on set and yeah. to listen to how to hear them and to actually hear, you know, what their problems are with the, with the dialogue and how to quickly fix it without completely rewriting, you know, the scene. Um, so yeah, it was in terms of, such an amazing learning experience. I mean, every show I've worked on has been, has prepared me good and bad for becoming a showrunner. And and how many seasons did you do with the Fosters? Three, three years, so wow. 60, 60 something episodes, I think. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it was a big, you know, leaving was really scary because it was my only show. I just And had financially, it must've been <laughs> yeah. very alluring. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. Yeah, I just had a baby and I just bought a house. Like there's so many insane things that I received, you know, uh, an offer to write on a limited series called Shots Fired. Yeah, I um, saw that. Co-created by Reggie Rock Bythewood and Gina Prince Bythewood. And I wanted to just even just take the meeting to meet them. I mean, Gina is a hero in our community. Like she's this amazing black director she is such a badass. Everyone who you, everyone knows who Jenna Prince Bythewood is, and I think as a black woman in Hollywood, you're like, whether whether I get the job or not, like I just want to go meet her. Yeah. And so I met Gina and Reggie, and I I just loved their, the the script for Shots Fired, and I really understood the material. And I, but I didn't I didn't really there were no stakes for me. I was like I I have a job, uh, you know. Where I was on hiatus. Yeah. Okay. And but they. Really, I didn't realize that they really liked me. I, I, I didn't know at the meeting. I was like, okay, I don't know if they liked me or not. Yeah. It's Christmas. I'm going home for Christmas. I'm not going to think about this. But then I got the call, you know, that they really, really wanted me to write on the show. And so I, it was a very, very tough decision because um, I you know, shared you know, so much of my life with on the Fosters. Because that really meant you, you yes. taking that meant you had to leave. Yeah, okay. yeah, I had to. Okay. And it was from 22 episodes a year to a 10 episode limited series. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just scary. But, you know, I had a really great team told me you're going to be just fine. Yeah. And uh, writing on Shots Fired changed my life. Um, the moment, day one, I walked into the writer's room. I was sharing the elevator with another writer and we walked out of the elevator and we, right before we walk into the writer's room, there's this photo of Emmett Till above the door. And my fellow writer, he just, he almost started crying and he was like, oh my God, it's Emmett Till, it's Emmett Till. And then we walk into our, our, our writer's offices, which were beautiful. We all had such beautiful offices. They, they cared so much about us. It's yeah. like, you just knew you were in good hands. A rare gig. In. Yeah. Oh my God. It was like, there was so much thought and care and, between the world and beat by Ta-Nehisi Coates is sitting on our desk as a, a welcome gift to the show. And you just know, like th- these are thoughtful, brilliant people who wanted, who really care about telling the story, right? Because the story was about, you know, uh, you know, police shootings uh, in, in, in America. And this is before and 2017 Black Lives th- Matter. All this the- was 2016, the oh, winter, so what, the what, very beginning. So after, Fer- after Ferguson. Oh, after okay. Ferguson. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Wow. After Ferguson. And 
so working on that show, I, I was a co-producer, so I was mid-level. Um, but after I'd been there maybe a few weeks or a month or so, I was taken aside and said, you, we see something in you. You are so committed. You really get the show. I don't care what your level is. You're running the show with us. So we're going to push you. And we're gonna so you became showrunner. No, I mean, oh. no, but oh, it was okay. like, do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you said, we're going to give you more to do yeah. than some of the other people. Because you can handle um, it. You can handle it. Yeah. Some, I mean, meaning like someone at your level doesn't usually get to do these things. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Cause yeah. everybody was amazing on that show. You earned it. So it's it, awesome. It, it just, cause you just, the imposter syndrome, like you said, yeah. syndrome, like you said, we all feel it. And, um, and when they told me you're talented, I already, I assumed I had some talent. I had a career. <laughs> I felt talented, but they told me, they said, you're talented. We see something in you. You're let, let's do this together. And so I got started, I was pitching arcs to actors. I was rewriting uh, other scenes. I, I, I did so much. And then I got to really produce, like go to North Carolina, work with Casey Lemons, who directed my episode work, you know, side by side with her, who I, I love her so much. Yeah. And she went on to direct one of my episodes of Women of the Movement and Gina prince Bicelet, who was the showrunner, co-creator of Shots Fired, directed the pilot of Women of the Movement, fast forward wow. a few, like, few years. But just be, having Black showrunners, just was amazing. It was such yeah. a gift. I, I wasn't the only one in the room. Yeah, I felt safe. They took care of us. And I always felt it like it changed my life. And um, I, it was just an amazing experience. It was very hard, but I learned so much. They gave me a window into a world I, I, hadn't, I hadn't stepped through yet. And so I was really, really, I'm forever grateful for that experience, as challenging as it was, but I'm so proud of it. And, um, and it really prepared me for everything that followed because by them get, literally saying, we believe in you, just hearing yeah. someone in this industry say who works with me, the moment I left the show, everything just fell into place. Cause I just, I believed in myself. Because you know, then I you just, got like, Handmaid's oh, Tale and 13 yeah, Reasons 13 Why. Reasons, yeah. yeah. And it was, it was just, it, everything changed. So I, I just, it was an amazing experience. So after Shots Are, it was a limited series, obviously. So it was just a one season thing. And then I um, worked on 13 Reasons Why season two, okay. <laughs> such a long time ago. And I was a supervising producer on that show and spent so much time on set. I mean, I was constantly flying up north um, to cover set. And, you know, we each, the three supervising producers, we each had our own little mini room and we'd oh. work on you know, different storylines. and Mary Amy and Hargraves is a friend. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, a good time working with Netflix? Yeah. 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 I mean, it was it's a massive show. And I started before season one was re released. We got The it. writer's room for season two uh, was open. So I got to experience with the people who had created season one the, the worldwide <laughs> response to yeah. this, like, you know, just this massive show. So it was cool to see them, you know, to be there, even though I wasn't part of create, creating the show. But it was interesting to, because I, you know, I'd been part of the Foster since day one. Then I was part of Shots Fired since day one of the writer's room. So it was, yeah. I was really nervous to go in uh, to a season two show. Um, but everybody was, you know, lovely and great. And it was, you know, for also a formative experience because I bet my, you know, I had being on set more than I'd ever been on set before for previous two shows also prepared me for, you know, for my being running my own set for women as a movement. But after season two of 13 reasons why I had, I had two um, spec assignments that I was trying to juggle while working on 13 reasons why, and it was just overwhelming. And so I took a break from TV and just focused on um, the spec assignments. And then when I returned to TV, it was just absolutely by chance. The Handmaid's Tale was looking for a, a writer for season three. Wow. And my agent was like, do you like The Handmaid's Tale? And I was like, oh, it's my favorite. It's my favorite show. Wow. You know, it's, and I wasn't really looking to do staff back again. In. Yeah. But it's just like, dude, it, you can't, when you get that opportunity, you, you go meet you know, Bruce Miller and you, t you tell him how you much love the show and you talk about why, you know, why, because yeah. I'm adopted in the show. There's so much personal, like personal uh, experiences that I relate to uh, the characters and the, just motherhood and wanting to know your story. And so I started 
as a first as a new writer on season three of Handmaid's Tale. And so that I was absolutely terrified because it's a massive show, Emmy winning show, yeah. staffed full of Ivy League educated people. And like I come in, I was just super terrified, but they are were so they were lovely to me and welcoming. And um my I'm so proud of the episode that I wrote, um episode five of season three. It was just a really beautiful experience writing. And also I went up and I produced the episode as well in Toronto. Amazing. And uh, I was just, I'm really proud of it. And it was a great experience. The only reason I left Handmaids is because I, on my hiatus, um, I sold a show, Women of the Movement, to ABC so, with Capital well, Entertainment. Wait, let's go to the conception of that <laughs> earlier. You mentioned a moment, there was a photo of Emmett Till. At what yeah. point did you start writing Women of the Movement? It, 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 I, it happened by chance because that was 2016. I went and worked on Shots Fire. There's this photo of Emmett Till. And one thing that I left out was, you know, we met so many people. We, we um, They called it Shots Fired University, just the research portion of the writer's room. And um, Oscar Grant's mother, Wanda Johnson, was one of the speakers who came in and met with our writer's room to talk about her experience, you know, losing her son and then fighting the fight. And, you know, his, his, his the end of his life is obviously captured in the masterpiece Fruitvale station. And um, so meeting her, she's talking about the loss, you know, of her beloved son and how graceful she was. I was just blown away. Cause I was, I'm a mom. I was a yeah. new mom back then. And I couldn't imagine being so strong in the face of such a tragedy. And so I just never, that never left me. Then fast forward, 2019, summer, spring, I'm on hiatus from Handmaid's Tale. And um, I, I go to a general meeting at Capital Entertainment and um, they had read some stuff of mine and, and liked it and wanted to see if we could develop something together. And they said, we have, you know, the Emmett Till, Emmett Till book. And I just said, oh man, I'm really looking to take a break this summer. I, I really really am not looking to, to go that that heavy you know <laughs> yeah. um but i just kept thinking about m- the mothers and you know what they experienced and I, I said you know if i were to do it i'd want to tell it from his mother's point of view yeah this is before i did any of the research before i, I really knew what story i was telling i knew the emmett till story but i didn't know how massive it was and so i i said i'd think about it but then i just spent months reading watching every documentary reading every article every book every like every hour of footage or minute of footage, newsreel footage, even from 1955 on YouTube, because there's so much out there. And then I just wrote the the pitch of all, it was going to be eight episodes. And then uh, with Capital Entertainment, with Rock Nation, with um, Westbrook, went to ABC, pitched it, and was sent off to write the first two episodes. And then waited, and then was, a writer's room was ordered, a very brief writer's room to make it six episodes wrote, uh, had staffed a room, uh, wrote all the episodes, waited a few months for the show to be ordered. Um, after all the scripts were written and, and then and it was ordered. Did they give you access to historians and everything like that? To- no, I, I, it was all, I did everything. That um, is yeah. incredible. That, <laughs> this is before wow. I had an assistant, like not to like do my own horn, but no, now, that I, now that I'm in a different place. Um, but yeah, I didn't even have an assistant. I, I literally just consumed as much as I could. Um, and luckily, you know, later in the process, I was able to meet uh, Wheeler Parker Jr., who's Emmett Till's cousin, and he's the last living witness to his wow. kidnapping and, and the incident, and um, the co-author of Mamie Till's Mamie Till Mobley's memoir. Um, I was able to have access to them after the fact, but um, before, you know, and they've been so amazing. Uh, but it just in the very beginning, it was you know just it was me. <laughs> and so then this probably got ordered right as the pandemic started. Right. The writer's room was ordered. Okay. I think two weeks after the world shut down, April of 2020. And the show was a Zoom writer's room. Yeah. It was a virtual room. And then the show was ordered in, I think, August or September of 2020. In in totality, not with a, a pilot contingent? No. Wow. Incredible. Series order. And, and, yeah, all the scripts were written. And it was like you, it's, this is a story. Yeah, let's commit. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And it's a one yeah. season limited yeah. series. So that's incredible. And and talk mm-hmm. to me about, you know, like casting and, and shooting. Did you have like all the vision in your head? Yeah. For me, um, the 
I mean, I, luckily I, I knew who I wanted to direct the pilot. It was going to be, if, if Gina were available and wanted to do it, like that was just the story that I had always been telling myself. And luckily, you know, we have remained in each other's lives since shots fired. And I sent her the script, you know, long before the rest of the scripts were done. And she was like, I would love to be able to do it. And we, we were able to make it work with her schedule and her, and um, so we, you know, did, you know, cast it together and that was a really cool experience. Um, but in terms of, you know, the vision, my vision was always authentic, Yeah. you know, recreating as much as we possibly could from costumes to locations. Um, where did you film? Did you film in? In actually Mississippi. We wow. shot in the actual, in the courtroom where the trial took place. Incredible. Actually, we were in Greenwood, Mississippi, and we, we shot um, where, you know, many of the events uh, that, that took place is where in, we filmed. Including the and, river? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. what an opportunity. And and obviously for this one, were you on set every day? Oh yeah. I might hope I moved my husband and daughter to Mississippi. We lived there and I was on set every day. No other, no writer, nobody could come. It was pandemic, but also oh, this was, you know, I was, I had been on my, I had a five week writer's room that, you know, that's it. I didn't have like, a staff of writer yeah. producers. I was doing this on my own and I needed, it was really important to me to protect this true story and to, to protect the legacy. I needed to be there. I needed to be there every single step of the way. Um, and I need to be there for the cast. Uh, it's very challenging subject matter. And I need yeah. to be a consistent voice because we had, you know, amazing directors, amazing. And, and there was, you know, four different directors. So I needed to be a consistent voice as we transitioned from episode to episode and um, I love my cast so much. It was a remarkable experience. Like they all lived together. You know, How long of a shoot? For, from January to mid-April. Okay. Um, yeah. And so it was such a like summer camp, like one of the actors told me at the end, it was like, you know, like summer camp. And yeah. I, some of them, you know, were crying and telling me this is the most amazing experience of life. Like, you, you know, people have been doing this all a long time. Yeah. And I, I needed to be there every single, I needed to be right there every single step of the way. It was so important to me to just protect, to protect it. And were you working like literally hand in hand with every department, <laughs> like production design costume? Yeah. You, yeah. Wow. It shows. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is such a beautiful piece. Thank it's, you. It's so, you know, it's, it's just, it's so informative and, and there, you know, there are a lot of interesting things that you do, like telling it from, you know, the mother's perspective. And also, like, I really appreciated you not showing th the killing, you know, because there are a lot of people that I think would have done that. And I think it made it stronger, you know, because then there's you're so engaged in, in the discovery, you know, in the D.A. And, and it was just I mean, it was a, I'll use the word perfect. It was just such a perfect piece. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So many people made it what it is. Um, I, if we're a family. I, I want to there. So I want, I wish I could work with my production designer, Michelle Harmon is just a genius and I want to work with her forever. Editors. I mean, just, it was such a, an amazing experience. And personally to be able to work with Gina on the pilot and Casey Lemons on the finale and our shots fired reunion when I was a co-producer to be yeah. a showrunner was so beautiful i love them so much and they're heroes of mine and to adrian warren who plays mamie till mobley uh, cedric joe glenn turman ray fisher uh like it, it's just chris coy it's it, this cast i love them i'm so grateful all of them i know i didn't yeah. name them all but um it, it was an amazing life-changing experience it's the hardest thing i have ever done so because i was in prep, production, and post simultaneously. I was rewriting oh, while so you, filming. You were while part casting. of the edit as well. Yeah, I'm the show. Show right yeah. It's final me. It goes. So you, how long? Like yeah. from let's just say pre-production to to mm -hmm. finishing. How long of the commitment of your life was this? Well, I mean, do you mean like official pre-production or writers' room? Or well, let's include creating. writers' room. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from from the pitching of the show to wrapping the show it would be two years wow. from writing writer's room one and a half years um to air almost uh airing it would be almost three years from when i first walked in about for the general meeting of you know uh about the emmett project so um yeah it was a lot it was 
completely my life. But yeah, because, you know, I, I have to approve score. I have to approve every costume. Yeah. I have to, you know, color grading. Yeah. yeah. Although that part I was, I left to all of the, <laughs> to yeah, all nice. the people yeah. who understand that stuff, but as long as it looks good, but yeah, I, every single, I mean, every part of the process, I, you have to be, your name's on it at the end yeah. of the day as the showrunner and the creator. Well, so. having all that time with it, but then having to do the hardest thing, which is letting it go and, and, and yeah. letting it be aired. How was that experience in real time? You know, having it's, the feedback of, you know, a live audience, I mean, not a live yeah. audience, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 I am. It's, it's like, like having a baby. It's like you, the baby's in your womb and then you have to share it with the world the day that you give birth. It's no longer, the baby's no longer just mine. It's the world. Yeah. So, um, it's, and I'm a very sensitive person. I care so much. I take everything. You're personally. an artist, of course. Yeah. Uh, it's this project specifically, you know, getting the blessing of Wheeler Parker Jr. The Mamie Till Mobley's family. When, after they had watched, before the world saw it, after they had watched all six episodes and we got to zoom and they said, you got it right. I started sobbing uncontrollably and i said this is this is this is this is what i needed that's Everything all you that happens yeah, after yeah is, is 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 what you know is out of my control but i just wanted them to know how much how important it was for me to protect it and for them to be to be proud of it and to support it um to be part of it you know and to be able to travel the country with them for the very screenings was amazing to be in, in the same room because it was zoom yeah and to be with them and it was just amazing but so when it was released you know it was Amazing, but I don't read uh, reviews. I had some sent to me and I, I made it a rule that no one sends because people might think that it's completely positive, but they might say one. So I didn't read um, any reviews. Uh, I, I, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook. So I just, I, I just, I'm in a, in a little bubble and all of the people who, who were part of it are really proud of it and yeah. that's what mattered and I want I just want people to see it and and to learn and to learn more because there's so much more that we you can't include and in, it's not even six full hours however many hours it actually is with yeah. commercials there's so much more to learn and for people to, to read the books to watch documentaries because there's so much more story and um, we did the best we could to include as much as we could um, for our, our limited event. Well, you did an incredible job. And I think one of the testament to, to the best writers is, you know, when you watch a piece and, and you're like, you feel like you lived that experience, you know, and yeah. you really achieved that. And it, and I know what a coup that is and how hard that is to achieve. So congratulations. Thank you. you. Know, I really appreciate that. Such a beautiful piece, you know. <laughs> Thank you. I'm I'm so proud of you, and, and I think it's going to really do well at, at the awards. Not that any of that shit matters, you know what I mean, but, you know, justice prevails and and this is such a beautiful piece everyone listening please check it out it's on hulu and, and disney yes. plus i think just hulu okay it's all, all six episodes are on hulu and i believe still on abc.com but who definitely um yeah and 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 can you talk about what's next for you yeah i this summer right after i wrapped production we took a book out um, called Black Cake. It just came out in February now, but it's the part of Oprah's group. book club, right? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's part of her book club. Maybe it is, but uh, she's attached. She's an executive okay. producer. That's what I messed up. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we Harpo Films, uh, Capital Entertainment, and and I'm where I have my overall deal. We took out a project, Black Cake, uh, and we sold it to Hulu, and it is an eight episode limited series, straight to series order. I'm currently um, in running a writer's room. We've been working for five weeks, breaking the rest of the episodes. And it is a family drama wrapped in a mystery set across, you know, from 1960s to present day all over the world. Yeah. It is such a beautiful novel written by Charmaine Wilkerson. And I just want to, um, I want to do it justice. And um, it's, it's a beautiful female forward story about motherhood and identity. And I'm really excited for everybody to see it hopefully next uh, early in 2023 on Hulu, but we haven't filmed it yet. So we have to, we have to film first for it to air. <laughs> on behalf of all actors everywhere, you know, the, 
the thing that we rarely really do get a chance to to do is is execute great writing. And so thank you on behalf of all actors for being a great writer and creating great content. I mean, I would I would die to audition for you. You're going so far and and I'm just like I'm I feel so honored to get a chance to be here right as right as it's just starting for you. And it feels I, like it's, I'm really old and like, I, I feel the same way, but man. Like, I, I just shot SVU and I'm like, oh, I'm, 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 my career's <laughs> over. I'm dying soon. You know, so, but uh, final question, you know, and I apologize that this is a loaded one, but, you know, it's so hard today in the peril of, you know, on one hand, there's more content ever than ever, but with social media and the rise of everyone having the per, you know proverbial microphone it's really hard to make it and get lost and and just the ways of you know that you used to be able to do it don't really exist anymore because now youtubers are getting deals and instagram models are like writing biographies and uh, you know i have thoughts on that but it is what it is and that's that's capitalism and entertainment and you know for all the writers out there that that have things they want to say and aren't getting the chance to say them any words of wisdom you might have i wish i mean it's it is so hard and i often when i do panels and like i want to make sure the advice i give is relevant today because when i even just you know nine years ago when i got my first app it's everything has changed so much i would just say if you have a story if you have something to say just keep saying it just keep saying it Find new new ways to say it, new platforms, or you can where you can say it, but just don't stop. If like this is really what you want to do, because that's what I didn't. It was a, it took me a long time to get staffed. It was yeah. a long time, and but I just there was not. I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. I had to tell these stories, and so I just was unwilling to give up. And I know that's not specific advice. No, that's, it, it's so, no it's pretty right. But it's just all I can say because that is, you know, I didn't know anybody. I it's a marathon. Questions. I'm not yeah. related yeah. to it. Like Me either. It's <laughs> yeah. like, it, I just, it just kept, wouldn't give up. And I just kept writing and I kept pushing myself and I never settled. I never just said, oh, I had this one spec. So yeah. hopefully things will happen. I just kept, kept, kept working and, 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 and fighting to be heard. Congratulations. This was Thank such you. a great honor. I really do hope we get a chance to work together one day. And and I'm so excited to see Black Chalk and everything that you do next. It's Black Cake. Black Cake, sorry. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. I was Black Chalk. I, That's I, just an interesting worked, I just worked out, so I was using chalk. On my there hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. No, thank Black you cake. so yeah. much. Yeah. 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 Thank, yeah. Thank you so much. It and, was really fun. And thank you for coming on. It means so much to me. And and please come back when, when Black Cake Will is do. Out. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks right. for luck to you. All right. So much love. All right. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. 